0: Welcome to the Nicole Murphy podcast, where we explore the impact of media and the power of individual stories on the world that we live in today. Enjoy. Okay, today on the Nicole Murphy podcast, I'm joined by Glenn Jung, who is the founder of Bright Light News. Now, you have a very fascinating story that we're going to get into because you're not traditionally journalistically trained.
1: No, not at all. Not at all. I'm a former teacher and homeopath.
0: Yeah. So so I know that you for a while were doing interviews with some of these top experts speaking out as Gord Parks, correct?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: You had an anonymous name. You were disguising your voice because you were afraid to lose your job. And so why don't you give people a little bit of a, how did you end up doing journalism through the last few years?
1: Yeah, well, it's actually really crazy how it happened. I mean, I went from non-journalist to now having done over, I don't know, I estimate over 150 interviews now, um, you know, with the Dr. Malone's and McCullough's and Byron Bridles of the world, even um, um, the Honorable Brian Peckford. I mean, it's been an an incredible journey from zero experience to now having some of these people's phone numbers in my uh, phone so that I can contact them. And now we have uh, Bright Light News Live panel number two coming where Dr. Ryan Cole, um, Dr. Pierre Corey and Kat Lindley agreed to come up from the U.S. to join us for uh, our second live panel event live in Toronto. So super excited for that. So it's it's been a crazy journey. It all started with, um, you know, me being a homeopath um, formerly, uh, I was always stunned at how here's a system of medicine that's able to help people gain permanent recovery from, you know, a, a lot of uh, acute and chronic diseases that Western medicine says is not curable. I was not the best homeopath in the world, but I was still able to help patients um, permanently recover from diabetes uh, type 2 through lifestyle and just diet. That wasn't even using homeopathic remedies. But say arthritis, um, depression, um, saw some really remarkable changes with relapsing, remitting uh, multiple sclerosis. So to go from there and then come to this world where we're being vilified when you know here's a system of medicine safe, cheap, and effective – but it's being vilified and, and being taught to medical schools as quackery and then into the public. Uh, I ended up not being able to make a career out of that, ironically. Um, so I went into teaching as a fallback and was teaching elementary children. And like you said, I uh, within the first couple of weeks of the so-called pandemic, um, for the first week, I wasn't really paying attention. We had prophylaxis ready for COVID and homeopathy has an incredible history with epidemics so I wasn't worried, ready to go. Gave it to my family. No one ever really got it, um, but in the second week of the the, the pandemic, uh, one of my profs called me. She was living in Austria, and she said, "Glenn, I we can't teach, we can't practice homeopathy here because we are lay homeopaths graduating from homeopathic colleges. Only MDs can practice homeopathy here. So I run workshops instead because I can't practice. Now they've all told me within the first week of the pandemic that." They were not allowed, they were instructed by the government, the German, Austrian government, you cannot give a homeopathic remedy to a COVID patient, despite the fact that there is no existing treatment. And I thought, here we go, here comes another scam. So then I started paying attention, started watching the news, and was just quickly like seeing so many loopholes, Uh, I mean, just holes in their story. So, you know, the whole thing about, you know, socially distance, you know, you got to stay six feet apart to save someone else's life not spread the virus and you know there they are at these press conferences with you know uh teresa tam howard new patty Haydu, our health minister former and they're all sitting like two feet apart telling us this right you know they would sit there and tell us to mask up yet they weren't wearing masks and then eventually they started wearing masks right and then eventually they started to separate socially six feet so i started posting all of this i was posting the epidemiological data showing that eighty percent of the the so-called deaths were happening in the long-term care homes. Why are people worried? Why are people taking why are the governments taking pe- elderly people out of the hospitals and then moving them into the long-term care homes, right? Posting all sorts of data like this in teacher groups and whatnot. And immediately I was getting vilified. Get off your Google computer. You know you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you know, Glenn, so just you know, keep it to yourselves because you're a granny killer and all, all the vitriol that everyone got. So I wised up really quickly, having been attacked as a homeopath. And then I said, I'm changing my name to Gord Parks. And eventually, when Bright Light News started in September 2020, I started doing interviews. First few interviews, I actually got friends to conduct them. Um, Then after that, I decided I should start doing them myself. And I would keep myself off screen, like you said. And then I would drop my pitch a voice. And I would drop my voice a pitch and a half to disguise that. So those were the earlier ones. Um, And it just kept going like that, and then eventually it came to the point where um, one of the interviews I did. I mean, mean, it was a collection of all the interviews with these experts, but one in particular with Dr. Here Vandenbosch, where he said during the interview, um, you know, we're going to see when you vaccinate into a pandemic, it has disastrous results. You're going to see nature balance things out by increasing morbidity and mortality. Didn't want to ask him a number because I don't want to, you know, scare people. So I asked him later on, this was at Bath in the uh, Better Way Conference in May, 2022. It was the first conference where all the doctors and scientists got together in person. It was incredible. So we all went out for dinner and I I asked uh, Dr. Vandenbosch, I said, listen, I didn't want to ask you on camera a number. Can you give me an estimate of vaccinees that will be permanently disabled or, Mm -hmm. you know, die from these uh, shots? And, you know, he looked at me and just, Matter-of-factly said, you know, at least a third, and I came back home to Canada and I was telling this to friends. And uh, even when I said it, there was a cognitive distance in me. I was like, I can't believe I'm saying this. I must have messed up. He must have just meant adverse effects, not deaths and permanent disabilities, right? So, knowing this kind of information, um, I thought I can't keep. I can't keep on uh, teaching. You know, I was teaching young children music and gym at the elementary level, and as much as I love that you know, here was a bigger story and I was having access to all these doctors. I was getting, you know, um, interviews that I never imagined would happen. And, you know, the information kept on getting out there. And I said, there's a bigger role for me to play here. So I'm just going to take a leap of faith, quit the profession uh, and uh, haven't been a teacher since last year and just uh, trying to make a go at it as an independent journalist. So, and here we are today.
0: That is such an amazing story. I'm curious You're saying that it was, you know, that information that there's something really big happening here that shifted you, but that can't be easy. You have a family, you have kids to consider, your spouse. So, what really was the tipping point for you to quit the security of the teaching job and move into this? Like, what was the thought process? How did I guess the question is for somebody listening to this? How do you move through that? Because there's a lot of people, I think, being called to change and shift out of what they're doing. Yeah,
1: right. Uh, Well, first, I wanted, I couldn't have done it without my partner, Catherine. I mean, she's been incredible throughout all this supporting me. Um, She's been holding the fort. I, you know, we do get some donations that help a little bit, um, but not definitely not enough to replace the income that I've lost. But It was just this leap of faith that, you know what, like any business takes two to three years before anything happens. Uh, I'm just I have to do this. I I feel compelled to do this. And, you know, one of the great things about homeopathy is that it teaches you to be scientific, right? I mean, the basis of science is you are given a proposition, a hypothesis, and you hold that in abeyance. You put that on the shelf until you get proof confirming or refuting it, right? And until that point, you just hold on to that information. And the information I was getting was... You know, I was reading comments. Thank you for these great interviews. Uh, The doctors and scientists themselves were saying, listen, keep going, keep doing what you need. We need these platforms. So there's a lot of belief in what I was doing. And if I wasn't getting that, I would have quit, right? Uh, But uh, because I was, I thought, yeah, I have a role to play here. I need to keep on going with this. And um, you asked about receiving all this information. You know, one thing that I think has helped people understand during COVID is this. COVID is not the virus that people think it is. Once COVID went endemic, like it always should have been, and just as a a flu, right? Possibly a severe flu, but not really. Once that virus lifted, it really unveiled the real virus that has always existed, right? Homeopaths have been attacked for over 200 years. Um, If you look at the Flexner Report that was created back in the early 1900s, it basically established, and it was helped by Rockefeller, who wanted to get petroleum products into medicine. When you look at that Flexner Report... It basically um, propelled Western medicine into, or we call it allopathy, into the forefront and basically killed the other three top medicines of the time. There was Thompsonian medicine, homeopathy, and Native American medicine that were being used. So they basically used this Flexner report to say these are the criteria for medicine that doctors will use that the government will say is officially medicine. And obviously, when you, when you get to create the hoops that medical systems have to jump through, you can easily you know, just uh, wipe away the other ones that were there. And so that's why there's always been hits against it. So knowing this, um, it, you know, I saw through a lot of frustration as an as a early in my career as a homeopath, talking to friends, you know, that we had one friend that went through a, a horrific car accident, disabled, couldn't leave, had to walk with a cane, she couldn't leave her place, kept on saying, listen, you know, if you want to be open to treatment, you have nothing to lose except for some time it will treat you pro bono and they don't want to. So this was a, a very frustrating process to see people being um, in a position where they could be helped with homeopathy, but not wanting to because they're buying this narrative that it's quackery, it's just water. And so when it came to COVID and seeing all these injuries happening, seeing the deaths that were happening due to lockdowns, um, thankfully, I had I'd sort of been desensitized to it or at least objective to realize that I've already been through this watching so many people needlessly being put on the pharma model which is you know you take these medications that they will hopefully get you on for a lifetime subscription prescription right and then you're going to have side effects to those possibly and more than likely and then you're going to need to take more drugs and then you end up in your 80s where you have that pill box monday to sunday with you're taking seven to eight prescriptions a day um you know you look at the us i think it's five percent of the world's population and they take about 40 to 50 of the world's prescription drugs right it is a huge cash cow uh, an evolving cash cow. They have the supply, and they create the demand through the way that they capture governments, academic institutions, and all this. So, for me, that was the real virus that was being exposed from COVID. So, I was so happy to jump on board and and get the word out. At least through COVID, here's let's let's talk about all the the house of card lies from the PCR test being upcycled so that anybody could basically be considered positive to people dying with and from COVID to the fact that 95% of the morbidity, the deaths actually happened were with multiple comorbidities as shown by the CDC, Um, you know, that masks don't work, that asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of an epidemic said Fauci in 2020 or 2019, I believe, Um, you know, and of course we have had these warp speed vaccines, which for decades, you know, single stranded, um, genetic vaccines that were done in the past for decades had always shown something called um, antibody-dependent enhancement, which basically means that when the in the results, in the trials that were done with animals, the animals that had been vaccinated when exposed to the wild virus actually suffered more severe symptoms or died more often than the unvaccinated animals that were exposed to the wild virus. So having knowledge of all this stuff, it's, you know, here's the big scandal and this has been the incredible thing is all of the doctors and scientists who are truly scientific that say you know i think the the credo of science should be this i don't know right those three words are very hard if you use this in your life you know we often it was one of the hardest things that i learned when i when i started taking homeopathy I had a great professor dr joe kellerstein he said, if you have a professor who doesn't know how to say, I don't know, take everything they say with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. And I noticed I need to start saying this in my life. And when I did, it was humbling because we all have an opinion about everything, even though we have no expertise in it. We think we got something to say about, oh, you know what? You've got this disease. Try that. Try this. Right. When real. In fact, we don't know, but we will never admit that. But that is truly how to be scientific. So you have doctors like Pierre Cory, You have Dr. Paul Merrick. You have Dr. Peter McCullough, Mark Trazzi. All of them now investigating all vaccines, right? Because they took the plunge to say, listen, this science is fraudulent. It's corrupt for these vaccines, the COVID shots. And they start doing some more work and more work and say, you know what? This is all tobacco science that we've been um, working under. I mean, these, these, these people have had their whole identity, their careers, their social statuses. Um, and their esteem built on the fact that they come from this medical model that's supposed to help people, when in fact, you know, it is immunosuppressive. It is causing more diseases. So um, I remember I was on a Zoom call, uh, I think about a year, year and a half ago with Dr. McCullough, and I got to ask him a question. I said, you know, Dr. McCullough, we've interviewed before, but I never got to ask you this and say this, you know, like, but it's so wonderful to see you doctors now standing up against the medical tyranny that homeopaths have been up against for the last couple of hundred years. And because you are, you're getting all the attacks that we went through. I see all the the exact same um, strategies that they use, the misinformation, the the buying of uh, scientific voices to act as authoritarians to say that homeopathy doesn't work, the the changes in the laws to ban homeopathy. And I said, I just want to thank you because you guys are the new breed of homeopaths. Welcome to the club, right? And it's amazing. Dr. Paul Merrick, uh, who's Dr. Corey's uh, partner for the FLCCC, He's now gone as far as saying that, you know, allopathic medicine when it comes to disease treatment, you know, there's not a lot there. The best thing about it is emergency medicine, right? If I get my arm chopped off in an accident, I don't want a homeopathic remedy. I'm going straight to the emergency ward. Dr. Merrick said that he cured himself of type two diabetes, right? Um, And the way he did it was just through diet. And he said, you know, I was told my whole life that it's not curable. And it was just really it was just lifestyle and diet changes. So that's what started to get the ball rolling from him. And now I think COVID put the icing on the cake where he realizes that, you know, McCullough said, the house of medicine is corrupt. And it's not just with COVID, it's always been there, right?
0: That's so, so that's
1: part of the journey. And yeah, and that's why for me it wasn't such a shock. And that's been a big part of it for me is I, I've been able to be even killed because I know a lot of people have had to take breaks. You know, there's some highs where we think there's going to be some victories, and then there's some definite lows. And uh, because I've been through it, it kind of seasoned me a little bit. So I was just able to keep on going, working seven days a week at this.
0: Yeah, because you have that background. So you've experienced, so you've built the resilience.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it also helped me know how to message, right? I didn't start talking about the vaccine until the vaccine was actually ruled out. Right. I had for years on Facebook been posting about the vaccines. You know, I remember putting out a, um, a U.S. Vital Statistics government um, data set. It showed a graph of all of the you know the big uh, infectious diseases like mumps measles rubella diphtheria all those things and they you know what all the morbidity mortality rates came down before the advent of their vaccines due to clean water refrigeration right clean food less overcrowding these were the major things that precipitated the decline in morbidity mortality it was not the vaccines. So it's always been a scandal. You know, Dr. Suzanne Humphreys, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, they've talked about this for years. So again, that helped to inform the way that my journalism went is stay away from topics that you'll get easily pegged as a conspiracy theorist, someone that's not credible. And then as things roll out, do so in a way where, you know, I always link if some if a doctor talks about a study, I will show that in the interview and then I will link that in the website so you can download the actual PDF because. It needs to be like this you investigate and arrive at your own conclusions i'm not here to feed you anything i might have a slight bias towards the fact that they're not telling us the truth but here is the evidence you go do the work you arrive at your own conclusions
0: which is so important now where is the line because i struggle with this too where's the line between rolling out information in a way that's digestible and just and self-censoring essentially
1: Right. That's a great question. And I think everybody struggles with that, right? Um, so for the live panel that I'm doing now, uh, the second one here, it was originally called Truth in Medicine, Cells Don't Lie. Cells Don't Lie, that part pertains to Dr. Um, Cole said, listen, I want to show my pathology sludge, showing that the spike protein is causing turbo cancers, that it's causing deaths. I said, great. And, you know, I said, okay, well, how do I make this so that it's going to reach across possibly to the other side, the movable middle? How do I title it that way so someone may want to come? So I thought truth in medicine. And then I thought, my God, it, this doesn't fit the reality of it. It's at, In one sense, it's trying to appease and reach out and awaken more people. At the same time, it's not doing justice to the severity of what's actually happening. And then I thought about it. Uh, you know what? Dr. Pierre Corey will be talking about the war on ivermectin. He just put, released that book. But he just means the war on repurposed drugs. That we know Fauci has had a, a huge place since the 80s when he came into the NIH and basically had control of suppressing all of the cheap generic drugs that could be reused instead of the pet drugs that he was invested in, the pharma companies were invested in that were expensive, like AZT that was used for AIDS, right? And then we had remdesivir for COVID and it's always been this game. So um, I ended up changing it. um, And then Dr. Kat Lindley, she'll be talking about uh, the, the chilling prospect of the WHO's IHR amendments that will basically give them authoritarian powers, mandatory powers over 194 states as opposed to advisory powers, to call a pandemic whenever they want, and even at the threat of a public health emergency. It doesn't have to be one. And then also to be able to subsume everything under one health, they're calling it, meaning that health is not just the absence of disease. Health also means the environment. And that means if the environment is suffering that we our health could suffer. So we can now call climate change lockdowns, right? The insanity of this. So truth in medicine didn't work. And I said, I, I have to be true too, to what I'm doing here. So I changed it to the war on medicine. Cells don't lie. But again it's always a struggle um you know I, I had this talk with um randy hillier fantastic ontario uh, former mpp and he said you know glenn he said you can you can walk that line but at the same time you need to get the truth out there so that people understand how severe this is right and so uh understanding that it's always been a back and forth sometimes i sway one way sometimes i sway the other but the one constant has been in in the interviews when you know I will say, instead of just coming straight out and saying, you know, these vaccines, quote unquote, that they continue to push as safe and effective where Pfizer and the governments knew the data that there were side effects that were clear uh, and evident and it never should have been approved in less than five to seven years. They, they completely uh, blew up the placebo group, the control group, right? Instead of just coming straight out in the interview and saying, these are crimes against humanity. I would couch it with talking about what actually happened first, leading to a logical conclusion that you can't say it any other way that except that this is a crime against humanity. So I, I kind of try to do it that way, just to not lose the audience in case you know, the way in case someone's listening to it that's new to all this, because I try to set it up so that somebody who is awake to what's happening will listen to it and say, You hey, listen, I can share this with somebody, they might listen to it. Probably won't, but at least if it's not like you know, a Stu Peters is very sensationalistic yeah. in the way he does his journalism, right? He interviewed Pat King uh, over that court case that he lost, but there was some little uh, provision in there about them admitting that the pan- there's something to do with the pandemic where, you know, Pat King was on there and Stu Peter's like, you just read it here, folks, that judge decision, the pandemic is over. I thought, my God, what are you saying here? You, you you can't say things like that. It's It makes you not credible, but I mean, he's still going hard at it. He's getting more popular than ever, but I don't wanna be that way. I wanna keep it credible. Because it's easier to to dismiss you and harder to get your message and the truth out there if you were being that way.
0: You're, I'm so happy we're having this conversation, and because I say this, I th- I think everybody deserves to have their voice, in the sense of like Stu Peters gets to do what Stu Peters wants to do, um, Joe Rogan gets to do what Joe Rogan wants to do. we get to do what we want to do, but I love that there's a thought process about reaching the movable middle. Now we know that it's, I hate you saying this, we know that people on the other side genuinely think the reverse of us. They think that we're totally out to lunch and that we're not logical. How do you check yourself to know that you're actually the one that's in alignment with truth?
1: Um, that's a great question. Uh, I think the easiest way for me to do that is just by sticking to things that are provable. again, showing the studies that are peer reviewed, not the preprints and talk about the preprints, but until they're peer reviewed. Place the value on that place, the weight on that. Uh, I did a, an interview with a gentleman in Seek for Truth, and we talked about how total digital surveillance is already here. And this we put this out months ago and. You know. Everything that he said, you know, it's just it sounded fantastical, right? Um, to say that you know uh, the uk is is i think it's the number one most surveillance country in the world in terms of cameras and so when he says that you know it's easy for someone to dismiss that so i have to sit there and go through the newspaper articles do a search find the articles and then post that up so there you are and then i'll link that article into the posting right so it always comes down to everything has to be provable um and, you know, let people decide what they want. They can sit there and say, you know what? You're just uh, coming off as a, a far right conspiracy theorist who's a racist terrorist, like, you know, like we were being pegged when we were up at the uh, at the convoy, you know, uh, when I was in the convoy, I was there for a month. It was the most incredible time of my life. And I was lucky enough, I got to be the only uh, uh, media person up on stage filming all of the speeches for the entirety of the time. And, you know, watching the news reports was just incredible. And every time they said something, I literally said, all we should do is just hashtag back. Where's the proof? Where's the proof? Right. Violence happening, homeless people being attacked. Where's the pictures? Where's the video? We never see this. Right. Um, And I showed a picture to one of my family members. And they're like, oh, I can't believe you went up there. Like, I said, well, listen, we're now in 2023. Why don't you just have a look at this headline? And they're so bought by the narrative that they don't want to. And I said, well, just, I just want you to look at this headline and see if it matches the picture. And the headline says, I think it was from CBC, signs and symbols of hate condemned at the freedom convoy. You look at the actual picture and there's a, there's a bunch of people standing on the road with their signs. And, you know, it was like Canada flags, you know, it was, um, oil sands, oil over masks. It was freedom, right? And there was not, there was not one hate symbol there. There was not one Nazi flag, one Confederate flag that they're trying to paint people with. But that narrative is so hard built into people that i don't bother with them and you know to be frank right now i'm at the point where i'm really looking at the movable middle rate uh you guys are there at first i was really targeting that audience now the audience that i really want to target is the people who are awake because i think there are so many of us, but so few, it's a very small percentage that are actually doing the hard work every single day. Right. I mean, the sacrifice, I've got a four year old and I recently got a text from uh, my partner and she said, he were playing and he said, you know, when I become a daddy, one day, I'm going to play with my kids lots. So they understand that I love them. Right. And it, it, this is one of the sacrifices though, that I want him to have a future. I, I try to make, I try to balance in some time with him, but you know, there are people who are awake, who say, for instance, uh, one of my friends came to the, the first live panel that we had in Hamilton, where Dr. Bridal spoke, Patrick Phillips, Mark Trazzi, and former mainstream journalist Rodney Palmer. And she said, You know, I love that Dr. Patrick Phillips talked about the, the World Health Organization's pandemic treaty, the IHR amendments. She said, I had no idea. She said, This is this is incredible. She's like, for the next one, can you can you provide solutions for that? I said, No, that's not my job. My job. Because I get to create my own job. That's the great thing about having your own independent media company. But my job is to alert the public to what's happening so that you go out there and find the solutions. Because I think people need to understand nobody is coming to save us, right? Freedom is not free. You can't, my friend, you you can't just keep going out there and having dinners and playing tennis all the time and expect other people to do all the work. We are looking at down the barrel of global biometric digital um, enslavement. Right? There's no other way to put it. We've got smart cities coming in, digital ID, digital currency. We've got the pandemic treaty, global passports needed, right? They want to lock people in. You won't be able to travel, uh, maybe even use your cash because it's got an expiry date on the digital currency now. You, you won't be able to travel because you use too many carbon credits, right? It's insane what we're looking at. And then for other people who are awake and know this, just, to just repost and retweet things, it's good, but it's not enough. You know, you need to get out there and even if it's just talking to somebody at the, you know, at the the supermarket when you're standing in line, if you're not doing self-checkout, right? It's got to be these face-to-face interactions or just reaching out to somebody, you know, a family member and just saying, listen, you know, what do you think about the fact that we're going to be having digital cash? And, uh, you know, it may not happen here, but in China, they actually have expiry dates on the cash so you can't amass wealth, right? We need to be the people that are going to change this because no one is coming to save us. So... Um, that, that is definitely one of the drives, uh, of, of now where I'm looking at putting out content. It's to really say to the people that are awake, you got to do the work. I think there's a, I think it's like, I I heard this, I think, I hope it's correct, but only three to 5% of the population actually sparked and initiated the American revolution, right? It's not a lot. Um, recently interviewed Dr. Malone and he said if 10% of people engaged we would win this you know and you think about the fact that there's 6 million unjabbed Canadians right out of what 38 million that's about one sixth one seventh you know that's definitely more than 10 percent so if everybody was working at this if everybody was you know Malone says a soldier but also at the same time a leader at this you know I, I really do believe that we would be able to turn things around you know it's not as the simplest solution for all of what's coming down this digital lockdown that we're looking at and this digital control would be for everybody to toss their cell phone and say bye-bye and just get an old candy bar phone right and how are they going to ask us for our ids and digital cash and whatnot right but people aren't willing to give up that convenience so we're going to have to do the hard work
0: Mm. i also think because i've chatted and i've done interviews behind the scenes off the records I think that there's even more that are unjabbed because I know I've interviewed people who've said personally that they've gotten fake fake QR codes for themselves and right. multiple people. So there's even more. The numbers are deceptive as well because uh, a lot of people got, yeah, fake.
1: A hundred percent. And sorry, I keep on hearing, I got this WhatsApp, He keeps on dinging in the background. So I'm going to see if I can turn off. This, turn it off? Uh, yeah, turn off this notification. Uh, I don't know how to do that though. Okay, we'll try and get it the next time it comes up. But yeah, it's, yeah, you're right. I mean, what are the numbers? There are so many people that ha- have not had the jab because they needed to get papers to work, to save, you know, feed their families. I mean, it's it's been absolutely horrific what's happened these last three years. And, and you know, <clears throat> the future's not looking much brighter. It's actually looking dimmer. But I mean, at the same time, the most incredible thing is there has been, a, I hate to use the term warp speed, but there has been an incredible acceleration of awakening for people like again to think that there are doctors and scientists who are now saying that in western medicine what i've built my career on it's all built on tobacco science it's all fraudulent it's all corruption right this is incredible to have this come in three years
0: it is and i asked malone what's the biggest lie he once believed a few weeks ago and he said the vaccination industry in general essentially childhood Mm -hmm. effects and that's where he spent his majority of his life so i think a lot of people don't realize the humility it takes for all these doctors and the um the courage it takes to literally have to look at what you spent your life doing and question it
1: that's huge listen especially yeah especially when they're getting death threats and being attacked for from within the people who are aware of what's happening even right and that's why i continue to call them the diamonds of humanity i mean the pressure of covid has squeezed out these people and just you know spat out these diamonds who are willing to sacrifice their medical licenses their reputations their careers they're taking on like i said death threats it's ins- it's an insane world that we live in right now
0: it is and and this is happening in the media world as well like yep. you stepping up you you know putting things on the line to to do this is huge and i think that that the citizen journalists of this time have been truly, uh, I don't like to use the word heroes because that's kind of like, I don't know, throwing that around, but, but there's an impact. There's a ripple effect that has taken place because of people listening to that call and that pressure and not backing down.
1: Listen, I don't think that you're overstating it. Anybody who is putting it all on the line for the only reason possible, which is humanity for the lives and happiness and health of every other single being willing to take stabs um you know ostracization from family and friends and colleagues you know there's a great um there's a great cartoon that i saw that encapsulates this uh, the divide and conquer and especially now during COVID, which is there's a king on a on a turret with his squire and then across the moat are people uh, on the ground below with their pitchforks as one group and then there's the group with the torches And then the squire says to the king he said listen he said you don't have to worry about anything king he said all we need to do is we need to convince the pitchfork people that the torch people want to steal their pitchforks right i thought what a brilliant analogy because the citizen journalists these doctors anybody who is talking to anybody to say listen there's something going on here that's not right right any activists those are the people with the torches and we are taking the hits because the people with the pitchforks the people who are still not awake to what's happening are attacking us as recommended by the media, uh, by Trudeau, you know, you can't get on a plane or a train with us. And, you know, that Toronto star article, it said, I hope the unvaccinated die. They don't deserve ICU beds. I mean, this is, this is promoted hate, right? It's, so yeah, It's, no, it, it's um
0: it's hate that has been wrapped up in virtue. That's what's wild. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's, hate
0: packaged it's as virtue.
1: Yeah. That's a great way to put it. It's, the propaganda campaign has been absolutely brilliant, right? It's been masterful, diabolical, evil, right? Um, but brilliant in how they pulled this off. It, they had people jumping off the sidewalks because you weren't wearing a mask, right? This is the fifth generation warfare where there's no physical um, physical battleground. There's no physical weapons. It's everything now, the battleground is the mind, right? They have an invisible weapon, which was the virus to scare the holy bejesus out of everybody, right? Turn people against each other, turn family members against each other. Um, You know, like the craziest story I have is that I went to um, my partner's uh, family's uh, place for Christmas, I think it was in 2022, and uh, there were 15 people there, and they, seven of them, they're all double vaccinated, uh, except for a couple of us. So 15 of them, 13, seven out of the 13 ended up getting COVID in the week that we were there. And guess who they blamed it on? These double jab people blamed it on. They blamed it on me because I didn't wear a mask going into a store, right? Insanity. And I just thought, can you not hear what you're saying? How does that make sense? You're vaccinated. I didn't go into a store with a mask and somehow with a mask and somehow you guys have COVID because of me and I don't have symptoms, right? But here's the thing. My my in-laws, they got red-pilled. So right after New Year's, they went down to Florida, um, sorry, Texas. They went to a an RV resort park and you know Texas, Florida, since March of 2021, they didn't have the mask mandates and there was no restrictions on their businesses. So I said to my, um, I said to my uh, father-in-law, I said, listen, when you go down there, he said, you're going to notice things here that are different. He's like, eh, what are you talking about? And I said, well, they haven't had, he's like, hey, you know, we don't talk about these things, right? I was told I'm not allowed to talk about anything like the year before that. Guess what happened? They went down there and within the first week, uh, my girlfriend's mom called her and said, listen, we went to Costco. We were the only people wearing masks. Everybody in Costco was staring at us. They stopped wearing the masks. They ended up getting symptoms. Uh, they probably blame me. Um, and then, um, but they said, we met another couple. They're sick. We're sick, but we're going to get together and have dinner anyways. Within two, three weeks, they have been completely red-pilled, didn't care. And so they knew the jig was up, right? So they don't trust the mainstream media now. So, you know, I, I joke mm-hmm. that, you know, we should start red pill tours here, you know, and get our commercials out here. Do you have a family member that still believes five masks is going to save you from getting COVID and the vaccine? And, we, you know, we've got some trips for you. We can take you down to Florida. We can take you down to Texas, right? So... Um, But yeah, this is it, the red pill. And who else got the red pill? All of the police officers that were in Ottawa for the Mm. three weeks preceding the violence. Because what happened? They were getting high fives, they were getting hugs from people. One of the truckers told me that, um, you know, he he was getting along so so well with this one cop that was stationed by his truck, that they have uh, a little video of them joking around where the cop is throwing him in the back of the uh, car, getting arrested, right? And what did they do? Of course, they have to move them out because these guys are now all connected and awake. They've been red pilled to see that the media's been lying, the government's been lying, there's not racist here, there's not violence happening here. The worst that happened is it's an insurrection of parked cars that are honking, who ended up stopping after the complaints and they you know they stopped honking at 10 PM, right? And then they brought in the violence because they had to bring in the cops that were disconnected and and you know fed the lies that these people here are animals that want to destroy our country. So the red pill, though, is is fantastic. And I recently saw uh, an interview with Tim Robbins, the actor, who was mm-hmm. married to, I think, Susan Sarandon. You know, he was getting interviewed by Russell Brand. And he said, uh, you know, I made my U-turn. He said, you know, I locked down for seven months. I was wearing a mask. I used to get angry at people who didn't, who didn't lock down. He said, and then I went to the UK. And he said, you know, I noticed people weren't wearing it as much. And I thought, you know what, go ahead, guys. You guys are going to suffer. Then I went back home and he said, then there was a... Uh, a protest passing by his place. So I thought, I'll just go out there just to see what it's about. And when I did, I realized these people were not nothing like they were being painted in the media. They weren't right-wing terrorists that were racist. These were normal, everyday people, even liberals that were saying it were being fed misinformation. And he said that's when he made his U-turn, right?
0: And that is, as you're saying this, it is, if you keep people isolated and not, going and interacting with each other that's how you keep people in lies because pretty quickly if you're interacting with people and getting outside of your comfort zone you're going to you're going to be hit with needing to reconsider what you believe at baseline right.
1: exactly you know that's exactly why they had the vaccine passports divide and conquer keep the unvaccinated out with the vaccinated right this is how they have done everything it's always been a divisive thing lockdown keep people away you know, when, once I realized that this was all a big hoax, <clears throat> we had our prophylaxis, and I didn't know how severe it would be, but I just knew that it was being overplayed um, in the early days of March. You know, we went we went hiking five days a week because my son back then was a year and a half. I said, we're not staying at home cooped up in a lockdown. And it was crazy. We were driving down the highways of, uh, of Toronto uh, an hour out and it was eerie. We'd see a car like every three or four minutes on the highways, which were normally crammed. And every sign was dystopian, stay home, save a life, lock down. And then we get to these smaller towns and all of them had their signs out there. A-frame stay home, save a life, lockdown, like every like block. And it's like, how, how did they get all these signs ready this quickly? Right. Especially when you're supposed to be locking down and you know, so um, yeah, it's when you think about how they perpetrated all this and how they divided it, everybody you realize that power play that strategy in itself tells you what the solution is get together be with people go to conferences go to convoys and this is why you know the live panel that we're having it's for me it's more than just doctors coming and talking about their expertise this is a a, a, and i and i learned this from the convoy and going to other conferences when you go it's just love it's unity and there's a lot of healing that happens because you have like-minded people like-hearted people on the right side of history and the facts that are getting together to try and help everybody else at risk of being vilified by everybody else right these are the greatest people you'll ever meet you get to network these new uh, initiatives come start to become seeded out of these things and so one lady just recently reached out for this uh, panel that we're having april 6th and she said i'm really sorry can i get a refund please i was going to come with my friend but my friend can't come now and i don't feel comfortable it's out of my comfort zone I said, sure, I refunded her. Then I thought about it, I was like, but man, she's really missing a great opportunity. So I wrote her back and I said, listen, exactly what I told you. This is more than just an informational session. This is about being with like minded people. It is healing. You will be with, you know, in a crowd of love, unity, and proactive advocacy for truth and freedom. So I said, if you come, I will, if you repurchase that ticket, I will upgrade you to a VIP ticket. And then she wrote back and she said, listen, she said, it's, you know, to meet these doctors, she said, I'm willing to go out of my comfort zone, I will be there. And I thought, amazing, this is fantastic, because this is what it is, like, I told people that the first one, please talk to your neighbors, right? Get, get at least one phone number when you get out of here, because the only way that we win this and turn the narrative and then restore our freedoms is together. And by being together and being at that panel, being at any conference, being at any protest, that is the solution, us being together.
0: I so agree. And we've been creating events here in Alberta as well. And it's, it's not about necessarily like the information is so important, but it's the energy and the hope and the, it's just a shift of energy, the joy. Cause I often say if, and I want to ask you your thoughts on this in one second, but if they have you knowing the truth, but you're still paralyzed with fear, not taking action, not feeling joy, feeling like hopeless. Right they win even if you know the factual information of truth but i'm curious because we say they all the time and i get why people are like well who's they what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on who who's they
1: (laughs) well on the on the one level it's very easy to peg the they as the the globalists right the people who have this power to be able to change non-governmental organizations like the who and have their powers enforced onto governments to manipulate the media, to manipulate politicians, right? I mean, why is you know, Bill Gates recently wrote an opinion piece for The New York Times about the next pandemic. Mr. Not a doctor, Not a scientist. Mr. admitted I got twenty to one return of investments on my vaccines. Who's the number two donator or donor to the, uh, World Health Organization. I mean, Gavi Alliance and the Bill and Melinda Gates Organization. I think have do- donated about 1.1 $1. 1 million, or sorry, 1.1 $1. 1 billion dollars yeah. to the WHO, which is only behind Germany, which is about 1.2 billion. And then I think the next country after that is about 700,000. I mean, it's crazy the influence you have when you buy people off. So, um, I just, I just those, want to
0: interject for one second yeah. for people who are thinking, come on. Let's just. Everybody's had the experience where a a family member donates or gives money for your wedding, or gives money for your schooling. And I'm not saying all families are like this. Ideally, there is that difference, but we feel the pressure of what we're taking or what we're doing with that money on a very small micro experience of family giving us money. Can we even Mm -hmm. imagine on a global scale? And that's what you're getting at, because sometimes people can't wrap their brain around it. But that's we can feel that even in our own family units, right? And it's dysfunctional, but mm-hmm. we felt it. So yeah, go
1: right. on. A hundred percent. And that's what it is. But at the same time, you know, it's, you're reminding me now of, um, I, I interviewed Dr. Sukarid Bhakti in Austria, and he said, are you a freedom fighter? So I, I kind of don't like to label myself that way. And he said, I said, okay. He said, he said, I'm not a fighter. He said, I believe all humanity is one big family right and essentially what he was saying is that some of us are further ahead and understand the truth that you know love and empathy is the way that we all prosper and there are those who are not uh, in their spiritual journey there yet so that their life is more set up on a win-lose basis right i win in this transaction you lose because i don't care about you so spiritually speaking they haven't evolved to this higher level where everything is win-win and that's how i am uh you know, I don't like to use the word that we're in a war, right? But it's an it's an apt metaphor. But I do believe, like, you know, the fuck Trudeau sign. So sorry, I don't know if I can say that, but yeah, you, you know, all <laughs> those flags, yeah, all those flags that were out there. I understand the sentiment, I understand the frustration, the anger, the loss of livelihoods, the loss of lives, right? The complete social destruction and personal destruction that's happened as a result of his policies. And but at the same time, it's that that sentiment is also divisive in itself and aren't a lot of people saying that we're trying to fight this we want to stop the division we want unity and love well by saying that you're breeding more of it right you're not embodying you know that great gandhi line be the change that you want to be right and so i would much rather and i don't think it'll happen ever but I'm, i'm i believe that i hope one day the Trudeau's or anybody who's on the other side, like a doctor who's dispensing the vaccines, right, will wake up and say, hold on a second. What am I doing here? Right, this is wrong. This is how we're going to change humanity and see things change because, you know, what we're going through right now is just cyclical. You know, some people get obsessed, or have always been obsessed with power, right? And then you see empires rise and empires fall because it's that same cyclical thing where you have a group of psychopathic, sociopathic people that don't care about others who will enforce their agendas for their own gain. Now we're at a point where, though, it'll be harder to return from because now they have the technological and uh, monetary means to be able to perpetrate this for a long time, right? So, um, again, it is a war, but at the same time, I love what Dr. David Martin said once. They said, you know, you're a hero. Thank you for everything that you're doing. He said, well, listen, he said, I prefer you look at me like I have some information that I know and I'm just a few steps ahead of other people. And I'm sharing it right and there's people that are behind you, and we all if we all look at it this way, then we all realize that we're one big family, and the people that are on the quote unquote other side. Right I I used to call them normies I used to call them sheeple, but now I try to be more objective as I've learned through 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 my journalism and say you know what, these are victims of military grade psychological operations and warfare right so. And, and Dr. Sukere Baki said, you know, what drives you? Somebody asked him, what drives you? How do you keep going despite being attacked? You now, the High Court of Germany is now uh, coming after you for inciting, um, what is it, uh, Holocaust now? because all you said was, I can't believe Israel of all countries is falling for this vaccine mandate when there's no proof for it. You know, he said, you know, his response to how do you, what keeps you going? You've lost everything. And he said, empathy. He said, I have empathy.
0: You're hitting on something so powerful there because um, we've all been in the dark at one point. Exactly. So for us to forget, like I was taking vaccinations at one point in my life,
1: mm-hmm. and me. I've
0: believed lies. Yep. Yeah. And and this actually leads me to the question that I, I love to wrap up on often is what's the biggest lie you once believed, Glenn?
1: The biggest lie I once believed was that I knew everything as a young teenager, right? Cocky, uh, thinking that I knew it all, that uh, the world would be my oyster. Look at it now. (laughs) Now I'm fighting for my livelihood, fighting for the freedoms of my my family and friends and my children, right? Um, But, you know, more seriously, um, you know, one of the big lies that I believed was that our governments cared about us, Right. You know, this is the big thing that's become. I, I think it's been always percolating in the back of my mind, but I've never verbalized it. Is every single thing that our lives are built on—our food, our water, our our healthcare systems, our academic institutions, our penal systems, our you know our our inst- our uh, penitentiaries—every aspect of our lives is built on a lie of corruption and greed, right? pulled off and perpetuated by psychopaths who don't care about other people. When you think about the fact we now have genetically modified foods, possibly now genetically um modified human beings coming through these shots. When you think about the fact that our air is being, you know, um, orchestrated now and has always been filled with pollutants, there are water. I mean we've had psychiatric drugs underwater because they don't break down for a long time. Uh, you know, and then just the idea of fluoride not even being you know, it's it was an industrial toxic waste that they found a cheap way to brainwash people into saying, Yeah, it's great for your teeth, right? And they disposed of it that way. There are so many lies, especially like our medical system. I was saying to Dr. Trozzi the other day, you know how you're, you're 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 doing such incredible accelerated learning right now about the way things are. And we keep on talking about how these mRNA shots are immunosuppressive and they're immuno imprinting, right? Compromising the ability to actually fight disease. I said, but I think you're going to discover one day that all of Western medicine is pretty much like that in terms of its pharmaceutical drugs. You know, there was a study that was put out in, um, it said that the number three cause of death in the United States was iatrogenic disease, right? Which means they don't know where it came from, but it was probably psychiatric, I'm uh, sorry, not psychiatric, pharmaceutical, right? So, you know, it's incredible. So there's been so much awakening happening and that is the most incredible thing in three years to think we come to this point where I was at a I was at a, um, a conference where Doug Pigtree was speaking and he was wrapping it up and he was so fired up and he said look at this room here he said you know like years ago when i did vax you know i didn't think i'd be sitting here with you know malone's here corey's here uh you know dr cole's here he said look at all you people here you know there was about 100 people in this room he said that wouldn't have happened six seven eight years ago and he was so inspired he was revving everybody up and he said you know don't drop the ball let's keep fighting let's keep going we're so close and then you know dr jim thorpe was there and he was raising his hands up pumping his fists in the air right it was it was truly inspirational because this is where we are now and that's the ray of hope
0: and it's a huge ray of hope it's a huge ray of hope because you know they told us that our lives would be horrible if we don't get vaccinated and a friend just posted today a series of pictures from her life the last few years and the people the deep connections even us having this conversation here the the joy the depth, the intimacy, um, and the truth, the connection, has, the connection yes. has been brought to a new level. And when you have mm-hmm. that in the world, that's where change, I think, is really born. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah the, you know, what's the what's the answer to um, hate love? What's the answer to darkness? It's light. Right. So if, as long as we keep on embodying that, I think, you know, we've got a huge mountain to climb, but I think uh, it's it's very hopeful, the amount of people that are waking up in love and unity
0: and thank you. Okay, so last thing, bright light news, curious why you named it that and how can people find you and how can they support you?
1: Oh, uh, thank you. Um so bright light news came out of, you know, I was just mulling over what do we call this and it'd be great to have just like a three letter name like, you know, like all the BBCs, the CBCs and so I thought, okay, well, let's let's keep playing around with things and, you know, I just thought I want it to be positive. I want to shine a light on the truth oh bright light news there it is and it just hit and i was like i love it and uh I went with that and um you know uh, if people want to follow please go to brightlightnews.com or we're on instagram facebook of course censored we have to bleep everything um, twitter telegram um, and if you go to i think our handle is bl news media at bl news media and uh, that's where you find us if you want to support us you know Share our content, um, share our um, event that's coming up. You know, we've still got tickets available to come see these great doctors and, uh, you know, donations never hurt, you know, especially in this independent media business. But um, if people have uh, ideas or if they have an expertise in marketing and, and sustainable funding, I think that would be great for you, me and all other independent media, because we're not getting that funding from the governments. We're being shut down, especially with Bill C 11 coming. So people that can that can lend their support and expertise to help us live in this new economy where we can get the truth out. I think that that's a huge one.
0: I'm so glad you said that because I've been chatting with people and journalists. I think so often when we're truth seekers, we kind of, we don't know how to do the marketing. We don't, because we're like, we don't want to. So I think that you're hitting on something really important that we all get to look at. And I'm just going to echo, go donate to Bright Light News. Okay if you are somebody listening to this and you know the importance of supporting independent media you know that it's not coming from another place go and support the people like Glenn who you do believe in that you do trust and um that's how change also happens voting with our dollars so thank you Glenn
1: and support and donate to Nicole too and Nicole <laughs> this has been fantastic thank you so much I mean, you know it was the first time we met and I'm so glad we it was a great conversation it 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 scratched the surface on in a deep way. There because so much more we could have talked about, but we talked about a lot of great stuff that's so important.
0: And I know there's going to be more conversations. So thank you, Glenn. And have a fantastic day with your son. And you know, be present with him as well and know that, you know, you're being supported and you're being loved.
1: Fantastic. Thank you. And thank you for all the work you're doing. Thanks.